0: Hi, this is Dahlia Naor, and welcome to the Making the Media podcast. We're on season break over the summer as our host, Craig Wilson, is on vacation. While we're gearing up for season three in the autumn, we are re-releasing a few of our favorite episodes which you might have missed the first time around. 30-year Sky veteran Darren Long joins Craig in this episode. we will be back in just a few weeks' time with our new season, so don't forget to subscribe to get them first in your feed. For now, enjoy the episode. Hi, it's Craig Wilson here and welcome to the latest episode of the Making the Media podcast. It's great to have you with us. Our guest this week is Darren Long, who has spent the past 33 years working with Sky in the UK and Europe. He joined the company in 1989, initially working on Sky News, but then became instrumental in some of the key innovations delivered by Sky Sports, as it pioneered the way in which sports coverage was delivered and consumed. Moving on from sports, he headed up Sky Production Services, managing a 750-strong team supporting Sky's content creation departments, and has worked to move many of Sky's content operations and processing systems into the cloud. After Sky's acquisition by Comcast, he was also involved in the work to integrate them into the wider Comcast business. His last role was in group operations transformation design. So as you can tell, he has been in at the sharp end throughout his career. With a lot to discuss, I began by asking him to pick out some of the key transformational moments which he had witnessed.
1: So the first point obviously was um, the start of of satellite TV in a multi-channel environment. And, And that was a real turning point um, not just for sky as an organization but for for the population you know they traditionally had never paid for, for for tv and so this was a completely new thing so i would say that's a marker in in the sand and then if you look at it as we moved on throughout that which is obviously building all of the channels then sky sports came along and then changed the way that the, that uh, everyone saw sports and look i don't want to be arrogant and say look sky sports led the way but we led a lot of things in innovation and technology and and i think you know there was another point um and i saw it when we went to hd it was a perfect point it was where the you know the old base tube televisions were being phased out it was all around the environment and changing the flat screens came in and it was absolutely that pivotal point where we said right we're going to do hd now and it was just another turning point. So again, I saw that as another marker in the sand where I basically said, well, look, that's a real change because that gave you know, the customers an opportunity to get much bigger TV sets, a bigger environment than they would normally tr- traditionally had. And so as, I, as we move through that, then we, we see all the things that have then come along from an OTT point of view and over the top service, a streaming service. And I think that was the next pivotal point which gave people choice and opportunity to stream content to every single device and and way that they wanted to do it. So that was the next marker in the sand. And I think, look, where where we're going as a a world is a consumable world where we want to watch things when we want to watch things. We've been driven over the years by our sort of um, reliance on schedules and times. And look, You know, Greg, we're having this conversation. I had to be here on time, had to make sure that I was, um, um, uh, you know, sitting in front of the PC. But our normal lives aren't like that. Our normal lives are going to be governed by how much time we have going forward. And I think where we are now today is about how we give people choice and opportunity to decide what they want, when they want. And I think people have now got used to this new way of working, which is this binge way of working, which is if I've got some time, I'm going to binge now. If I haven't got some time, that's fine, because obviously I can I can literally not look at that device and know that I'm not based on the schedule. So I think this is the new pivotal point, and I think where we're going, and this is the really exciting thing for me, I don't think we've even scratched the opportunity going ahead because I think we've been traditional at delivering services to our customers. In other words, we deliver to a CDN, they go to the CDN, they pull that content, they watch that, and they consume that content. I think the new and uh, the next phase is going to be really interesting when we don't start moving content around, but we give them the essence of that content through the Internet. And I think that's when I can see the supply chain really changing and really uh, altering when actually the relationships is based on, you know, how can I say a set of uh, of uh, uh, encryption that allows you to access the content you want, but without moving that content uh, away from, from those broadcasters or those streaming partners so i think you know along that route sky starting multi tv you know hd pivotable with the screens i think then we move into the new world of streaming and opportunity and now the future really is exciting because we've worked out that actually you know we don't need to be all sitting in our offices to do this we, we've got opportunities to do this remotely. We've got opportunities to cover events remotely. We've got opportunities to grow our business outside of probably where we were thinking three years ago. And that, for me, I think is the exciting thing.
0: Yeah, a lot of what you've talked about there um, you know, really is about being very customer-driven, customer-focused. How challenging do you think it's been for the technology to keep up with that?
1: Uh, Again, really good question. Um, And I think when you look back, um, it's really important to understand that it isn't just by luck this has happened. So for instance, you know, as I said earlier, going to HD was also on that marker of bigger screens you know um so that wasn't luck it was an opportunity we took that opportunity and it changed the way that people watch tv um today because obviously they have a much more um, immersive experience i think where we're going to and i think this is the important thing is it was driven by again the terrible pandemic that that came along uh, from a streaming point of view and the understanding by the customers about the ability to watch when they needed, but we had some opportunities that were driven by technology that was probably i would say just about um there not quite but just about there and enough to allow all of the broadcasters to keep going to to deliver the services to that customer and for that customer to probably challenge themselves in ways they wouldn't have done before. So traditionally people would have been driven again by sitting in front of that box in in the living room and I think everyone's perception completely changed which is they were stuck in either their rooms um they may not had you know a big TV in there and they wanted that experience and and all the streaming partners out there gave them that experience they gave them the opportunity to watch it when they wanted they gave them opportunity to to uh, to have that content in a in a multi uh, episode format and i think from a technology point of view we were just on the cusp and i think we've learned over the the last you know uh, let's call it a couple of years what works what doesn't work and now i think we're in a, we're in a, sort of this new world of discovering obviously greater opportunity. And from a technology point of view, that means we'd still need to build out some some infrastructure and some opportunity to grow our business now past where we were traditionally. And I think um, we're probably now needing a bit more sort of understanding of cloud distribution. And like I say, the opportunity to put in sort of rights management really embedded within the content, but in a way that really gives uh, the customer a completely different experience to what they're doing today. So I think this is an evolving. And I think all we've done though is like the touch paper and allow people to to, um, experience um, entertainment in a completely different way. And that means that's driving our businesses across the industry to kind of step up a bit more. And that does mean that we're going to have to find new ways of doing things. One of the newer ways of doing
0: things that a lot of people within the industry now are looking at is, of course, actually changing that relationship between CapEx and OPEX, um, looking at subscription, uh, not just as a source of revenue, but subscription as a part of that relationship with vendors. So I'm interested in your view of that uh, changing and evolving business model from CapEx to OPEX. Do you think that's the direction of travel within the industry now?
1: Yes, uh and again, I'm, I'm going to say a statement that some people won't like. I think it's a good thing. I, I think for too long that we really didn't know the value of content. And, and that I mean from glass to glass, which is how does it, how much does it cost us to produce it all the way through to how much does it cost to distribute it per customer? Because we have a lot of hands in between. We have a lot of organization, of, of organization and structure that is driving that distribution of content. So what this is going to change is that move from our traditional sort of capex heavy um, buying tin, buying equipment, you know, to sit there for 90% of the time, probably not doing anything and 10% of the time doing something is that we're going into a much more consumable world. But that does mean that we will buy our services as required. And it does mean that we can be having an honest conversation with our customers again about what it really does cost to 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 deliver our services to them. Because I think, you know, when you run a CapEx world, it's it's a real sunk cost. Everyone forgets it. know they pay a million pounds on you know let's call it a newsroom system and effectively it sits there and everyone kind of forgets it until it breaks and then it's all we've got to replace it again we've got we've got to go for a new fund of of capex and what that drives is a really bad habit number one it drives a lack of innovation and number two it drives um the finance people to constantly uh you know say can you just keep it for another five years which means that um, uh, you know you end up in a situation uh, where you are you have a real sort of capital debt, because to, to kind of change things and alter things, you've got to pay now huge amounts of money out to actually um, you know innovate and and bring new technology to to the industry. And that worried me for many years because I saw this sort of capital debt building up. You know, you build a lovely new infrastructure and build a new buildings and, you know, uh, new ways of working. And it's wonderful. And for the first two years, everyone thinks it's amazing. You get to seven, eight, nine, ten years and then you start looking back and you think, wow, how much did we spend before? Now, what do we need to spend to do that going forward? So this new OPEX way or pay-per-play or pay-for-use um is something that probably, from a finance point of view, I know it's a very difficult conversation to have within the finance department around, you know, how do we use capital, uh, um, you know, cash in the business instead of, um, you know, um, having these sort of tranches of capex that we need to put into play. Um, but I think as we grow and we learn, what that's going to drive is innovation because we can buy things when we need to. We need to innovate. Um, It means that we're not going to be stuck with hardware and and software that that ultimately um, just runs our date, And we end up with, you know, people worried that it's either going to fall off air or um, we've got no, we can't keep up with, you know, the the companies that are using, you know, cash to, to do their services. So I think if I'm honest with you, I was always worried about the CapEx, OpEx model because it just didn't feel a sustainable model that would allow us to innovate and to change our industry and it made us very heavy very slow and also when you look at some of the players out there that didn't think in this way you know the amazons the googles of this world you know it's their their mindset is always we spin up some services we're paying for some power we're paying for some compute and we get our output and that's what we need And I think that's not a bad place to be. And I think that's an exciting place for everyone in the industry to play in. It just means the mindset needs to change.
0: Yeah, things like remote working and remote production clearly is something that, in particular in the last couple of years, has just exploded. I mean, I think partly, obviously, because of the circumstances of the pandemic, and partly I also think because of an acceleration of some things that were actually already going on. So, you know, I'm interested in what you think that means perhaps for talent that's involved and the opportunity that means because it's not necessarily based around exactly where you live.
1: Oh, it goes without saying. And look, I don't want to, I don't want to sort of uh, say the obvious, but, but I mean, I was always limited. If I look at when I ran production services, I had, um, let's say, 100 editors who worked for, for sort of uh, post-production and there were days where we would really struggle sometimes when we were super super busy um, to to get the right resources um people wise um it was either a case of trying to drag people in because the, they were the best colorist or the the best audio dubber um and so what we have now, and I think this is the most exciting thing, is that, you know, if you look at the tool set that is available for people sitting in their living room um, and the ability to, you know, have Avid sitting on their desktop in, their, in remotely in, you know, Glasgow, Edinburgh or wherever it may be around the world, um, you can now decide who's the best person to do that role, not now who we got. And I think that's the that's the real sea change. Um, and I, I think... Um, you know, if you look at our industry as a whole, we've always been governed on places, you know, we're going to an OB today, it's at Man United Old Trafford. We're going to be doing that and we're going to take all of our people there and we're going to have one edit suite and we're going to have five EVS operators or 10 EBS operators and 25 cameramen, and five sound people. And sometimes that was really difficult because, you know, we might have had 30 OBs across the weekend. It's like, oh, how are we going to do this? The opportunity now is completely different for remote production. If you look at it now, you could get one crew doing two football matches, where traditionally you would lose a whole crew for three days, travel up day, a rig day, and then a a live day, and then a travel back day. That's three days of, of really brilliant people who were completely out out, out for, for that period of time. You don't have that now. You have people going to, you know, uh, a gallery somewhere. Uh, there may be the ability to do multiple events. They could suddenly go from a football to a rugby. You've got the ability to suddenly say, actually, do you know, I need that editor that we used last week. And he's sitting in Glasgow at the moment not a problem? So let's let's just get him to deliver the content to him, and we'll get him to edit it and deliver it back into our into our mem, and 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 that's where the opportunity really grows now. And I think we've just got to learn that, and and we're getting better at it. I think that decentralisation of in an uh, of of services, uh, you know, that you can pull upon, and working with Avid in their newsroom systems, and and working with their the post production systems remotely. There is so much opportunity ahead and what we've got to do is just kind of get our mindset now in this new way of working which is it isn't about you know uh, people coming to a place of work and that's the only place they can do their job it's giving people the opportunity not sometimes to have to travel I'd rather, I'm sure if you were sitting in an edit suite and I said to you you have eight hours to do this edit you've got you've got to factor in well it's going to take me an hour to get in and an hour to get home so actually that eight hours is now 10 hours and when i get in i want my cup of coffee and i want you know i want to probably get ready and 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 you know prepare myself instead let's get up get to your suite um might sit in your you know your study um and you've got opportunity and that, for me, is a game changer. We all like going to different places to work because we're, we're very good at communication. That's what we love doing with, our, with everyone. You know, we're, we're humans that love communicating. But it's giving choice now. It's giving choice to the producers. It's giving choice to the people working in the industry. And that's what's exciting for me.
0: Do you think we're still in a broadcast industry or is it now an IT
1: industry? It's an entertainment industry. <laughs> <laughs> it's an entertainment industry that has a backbone within broadcast IT. Um and, and I think um, you know, it is it, I'm being I'm being careful when I'm using my words here because obviously people will hold their hand up and say, Well, look, you know, the quality is going out of production and you know, you're trying to get us to, to to effectively, you know, do our sort of um work um on sort of narrowband, broadband. No, I'm not I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is Ultimately, we're here to serve the customer. That's what we, and, and I, I hate to keep saying this, but, but it's true. And it's the one thing which we must never forget. I think for many years, we built broadcast systems that, that were built for us, for us broadcasters, because it made us comfortable, made us happy, made us feel like we were in control and we were, we were delivering a service uh, to our customers. But truly, sometimes it was built for us. I think um, this new I.T. world, so this broadcast I.T. world that we're now in gives us a much greater opportunity. So we are definitely needing talented, very talented people that have completely different skills. Um, You know, the traditional sort of broadcast engineer needs to be very I.T. savvy now. Everything they do needs to be about how do they spin up services? how do they ensure that you know remote productions uh, uh remis will work well um, and thinking of new innovation and so they've got to be great at innovation they've got to be great at sort of it and understanding it and uh, also they've got to be very very adaptable you know because um again you know when i came into the industry you learned to skill. you are effectively a vision engineer vision engineer was doing you know racking understood about cameras understood about um you know putting content onto tape now what you're doing you you're asking let's say the new new form of sort of broadcast IT engineer um to be to be so computer literate to be understanding of of uh, why a stream is erroring you know understanding of those skill sets that you wouldn't traditionally have had in in um in sort of what i would call the 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 old broadcast world so yes To answer your question succinctly, yes, it is very much an IT world now, and it's about how we stream bits and bytes around to give our customers the content they want. I guess a consequence of that as
0: well, of course, is the rise in importance of security. I remember having a conversation a number of years ago with someone who was talking about their organization and they said that they would describe themselves as one of the biggest potential bullseyes um, that there could be for, for people attacking them, you know, for hackers to to get involved with them as well. So I guess security has to be a critical part of what we're doing in the future.
1: Yeah, and I, I think this is, this is part of that sort of, has technology, you know, kept up with where we need it to be? I think this one is probably no. Um, I, I think we have to become a lot more... Uh, understanding of how uh, content can be protected, and also the relationship between you know the customer and the distributor, um, and how we're in the future going to uh, ensure that we know that it's Darren Long on the other end of that sort of OTT stream because we we have a way of being able to authenticate that. And i don't want to go into a world which makes it difficult for the customer it shouldn't be it should be frictionless it should be easy for the customer but equally in a world where rights are so expensive if you look at sort of olympics or even premier league or any of the major events that happen around the world you you know you're buying those those rights an inordinate amount of money and and for for the sort of how can i say ability for hackers to then you know stream that any way they want so this is the part of the technology we need to get so much better at about safeguarding our storage of our content so you know making sure that you know when we put it into we know what we're doing with it you know we know that five editors have touched it we know the editors we know where it's been we know how it how it was used we know that you know uh, that the the stream has now been delivered to the to the CDN, and we know that relationship between the customer and that CDN. And because we we have a really good way of of ensuring we embed that that uh, that sort of um, encryption into the into the system. So this is the part which I think you'll see a big change over the next few years, as rights holders become much more aware of their uh, want to protect their their rights. Um, and, and the broadcasters learned that if they don't protect the, um, the, uh, the rights holder's rights, they won't get the content. And so um, that's, you know, you, you look at sort of the, some of the, the uh, security processes like TPN, um, you know, which obviously, you know, audits companies to make sure that from storage all the way to distribution, their, their content is good and protected. That will just get harder and harder. As we go on, because uh, as we've seen with our own banking systems, you know the authentication of the way that you now you know use your mobile app is getting more and more sophisticated. Because unfortunately, um, the people wanting to get hold of that content is is becoming more and more sophisticated. So, so I think security for me is probably the Achilles' heel of most of us in the industry today, and it's probably one we probably don't pay enough attention to enough money to to investigate how we're going to do this and it's probably the one area that probably not the most exciting for uh, organizations um, but going forward and i truly believe this in the next you know two to three years those companies that don't invest in really clever ways of ensuring um you know great encryption and, and great relationships between their customers that ensures that, that content goes nowhere else are gonna be the, the companies that really suffer uh, because you you will find that rights holders will rather sell to those organizations that they know that they're protected rather than those organizations that just gets plagiarized everywhere. You know, we, 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 we need to recognize that the, the world has changed in the last two and a half, three years um, because of COVID. But that has given us rise to more opportunities to stream content, which has given rise to more opportunities for people to, how can I say, use that content, whereas they traditionally would have probably sold it on the market for a VHS or whatever, or DVD. So we've got to catch up. We've We've got to get much better at this. And it's the one part, if I'm honest with you, I think we're still behind the times on and need to do a lot more about Darren, it's been really great to talk to you on the podcast. You know, I think
0: so many different things uh, to pick out from, from our conversation. So thanks very much for that. Um, there is one question I ask everyone in the podcast, so I will ask you. What is it, if anything, that keeps you up at night?
1: I think it's the excitement of the industry that keeps me up at night. Um, and what I mean by that is that the, the mindset of our customers has changed hugely in the last two years. And the concern of people like myself is what's the next thing? How do we innovate? How do we keep pace? How do we keep ensuring that we're always, I can say, uh, one step ahead of that sort of innovation that allows people to to watch content. So if I'm being very honest with you, it's about the things we don't know. It's about the things we should know and we should keep innovating. Uh, And I think it's being restless And I think for me, I've always been restless. Um, There's no such thing as a perfect way of doing something in my mind. You do something perfectly and then you make it better. Um, uh, And I think this is what keeps me sort of constantly thinking, where do we need to go next? And if I'm honest with you, just if you allow me one more second just to kind of um, um, uh, talk about this, but the industry needs to work together more. The industry needs to be greater partnerships and i mean truly across whether broadcasters or or facility providers or manufacturers and and suppliers of hardware and equipment. we need to be much more uh, together and what's keeping me awake at night is making sure that there's a voice out there to keep reminding people if you don't innovate if you don't keep thinking then guess what you're going to be the next company that people remember failed but don't remember survived and and were successful um and i want to make sure that you know this industry keeps doing that and those companies that are out there today never rest and are constantly thinking how do we make things better that for me is what keeps me awake at night striving to make things better. Not a
0: bad way to end, I think. Thanks to Darren for joining us on the podcast and sharing his perspective on the state of the industry. Why not check out the show notes to find out more information about how Avid is deploying editing and storage services in the cloud with Edit On Demand, and to get the lowdown on how AI is being viewed in another podcast episode. Get in touch. Let us know what you think. You can email makingthemedia at avid.com or on social on both Twitter and Instagram. I am Craig AW1969. Please leave a review, subscribe to get notified when the next episode is released, and don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. That's all for now. Thanks to our producer, Matt Diggs, Thanks most of all to you for listening. Join me, Craig Wilson, next time for more informed chat with the people making the media.